This podcast is brought to you by impactears.club. What's the secret to getting yourself hired? Well, that's the million dollar question every college graduate has, and we're cracking the code of how tech companies hire and take a peek inside the HR curtain. Tune into our Tech Career show for a full reveal of all the secrets of landing your dream job. And now, introducing your host. Hope you're all doing great. I'm Benjamin, the co-founder of SaaS Industry, and I'm your host on the Tech Career Show. Today's guest is quite unique. Now, I say that because he is perhaps one of the few people who ventured into his field from a non-technical background. If you're interested to find out how a financial analyst can become a data science vice president, then you're in luck. We've got Jacob Joseph, who is the VP of Data Science at CleverTap, joining us today. Hope you enjoy the show as we journey into how he discovered his dream job in data science. Hey, Jacob, and uh, welcome to our show. It's really great to have you here with us. Um, uh, for the audience sake, um, I'm not going to do the introduction. So I'm just going to basically ask if you can just give a little brief introduction about who you are and where you come from and where you work as well. Thank you, Ben, for having me. Hi, everyone. I'm Jacob Joseph. I work as a VP in data science at CleverTap. Uh, so basically, if you look at any data science profile, right, uh, usually they come from engineering background or math stats background. For me, it's a little different. I come from a commerce background. Uh, I wanted to share, you know, how I landed up in data science. Uh, so I, after doing my CFA, um, a post-commerce uh, graduation, I mm-hmm. took up as a job as an investment banker. There I used to advise companies, raise uh, angel funding, venture capital, private equity. And also I did fund management, fund management in the derivative segments of the equity markets. Uh, so that is where my interest towards data modeling, coding developed, which is doing the fund management side of things. Uh, you know, usually uh, people from the com- you know, commerce background, non-engineering uh, background, right? they don't code a lot. And for them, the you know, pinnacle of uh, you know, modeling and stuff would be a Microsoft Excel. Uh, now, in Microsoft Excel, also you can code, which not many know about it. It's called VBA. True. So you can go inside Excel and do some coding. You can run Monte Carlo simulations. You can automate a lot of job, build custom functions in Excel and stuff. So that is what that is. That was the penultimate thing I was doing in. Uh, as far as coding was concerned, when I was an invest, into investment banking and fund management, uh, also, like I said, like the modeling side, right? I in fund management, I used to do a lot of modeling stuff also. This this kind of you know basically made me get deeper into the quant side of things, the math side of things. And then I, you know, kind of took up courses in financial engineering. So after wow. spending 
a decade or so in investment banking, fund management. I got so deeply involved in this financial engineering side of things, the quantitative side of things, the coding side of things. I thought I should make a career out of this, right? Because it was so interesting to me. Wow. At first, yeah, at first I took a career break, right? I mean, I think around in 2012 beginning or something like that. Yeah. I took a career break. I uh, went deeper into this. I thought, I know, maybe, you know, a couple of years, I, I'll i come back and, you know, uh, maybe you know, start a fund or maybe something, do something else, right? Uh, so, so, but then, you know, the deeper I went into this, I realized that these mathematical models need not be used just for the first for rising financial assets it has wider applications it can be used in any industry any sector right because the, the math stats is the same you use the same kind of models uh, to develop solutions right and and how did I how did I got this reinforced I took up you know freelancing projects. Uh, first, you know, it was for free, maybe for some friend, right? And then, you know, it was some, it was paid stuff. Then this was one aspect. Then I started participating in hackathons. Um, you know, Kaggle was popular at that time, online uh, platforms. Uh, also, I did offline uh, kind of stuff. Uh, so I, in fact, I won a hackathon too. Uh, it was for a, one of the largest private sector banks in India. And there I was competing against groups of data scientists who were working in teams. So, I mean, that was an eye-opener that, yes, you know, I could, I could really make a career out of this uh, because ultimately my passion for data and numbers and coding kind of, you know, propelled me to, uh, you know, made, made my way easier towards, you know, uh, having a career out of this. So my my wow. plan for two years, right, my plan for two years extended for three years. And then I had a couple of opportunity and CleverTap was one among them. Um, okay. I joined, I joined CleverTap in some September 2015 and now it's almost seven years. I was the first ones to, you know, start the, among the first ones to start the data science practice at CleverTap. And now I'm uh, leading the data science team at Clever. So oh that's man, been that's uh, quite a journey. That's, that's, yeah, that's an amazing journey. So I was, I was just taking notes there for a moment. <laughs> you know, um, you went from being like you you literally went from coding in Excel to coding in hackathons, winning it, and then creating your own. Um, uh, uh, division, so to speak, in CleverTap. If I, if I summarize that right, am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct, correct. And coding also, you know, for me, for commerce guys, right? Uh, math stats, it's it doesn't come naturally, right? Uh, correct. Complex, you know, metrics, calculus, matrices, calculus, statistics, probability. Uh, then going to then uh, coding in C, C plus plus, or R Python, right? So yeah, so it was so basically those three years uh, kind of you know 
I had to do what a graduate, uh, a math stats graduate or an engineering uh, graduate, right? Uh, kind of studies right. and compress it within that time period. Also, at that time, you know, I didn't have access to all the, you know, right now there are so many colleges having MS in data science and post, yes. uh, yes. some graduate programs in data science. At that time, it was not there. Data science as a field also, you know, was it's a, was very in a very nascent stage. So yeah, right. <laughs> it was a it was a it was something of a self discovery basically. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, out of curiosity. <clears throat> are data scientists typically driven to come from uh, technical fields or do you get them from non-technical fields as well? Like uh, I'm, I'm guessing that because you had... Just typically it's from technical. Typically it's from technical. Typically it's from technical. You So even so, uh, most of the uh, data scientists that I have uh, met, either they are from engineering or math stats majors so I haven't come across uh, data scientists who have a commerce background, at least in my group. Wow. Okay. Unique person in, in, in the multitude. <laughs> yeah. Kind of an outlier. Great. So um, amazing start to getting into your career from uh, a very unique perspective. And I think... Um, Six years in Clevertap, having to, I mean, having run your own uh, division, uh, I'm sure that you know every single person that works with you, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. I want to, uh, <laughs> pretty much, I'm pretty sure. Um, is there something that they really don't know about you? Like uh, a little something that most people you work with wouldn't perhaps know? Okay. Uh I'm not sure. You know, I'm kind of a private person. So right. if they don't know any something about me, that's good. <laughs> Let it be so. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, we've, we, you know, we, we kind of uh, have to be motivated to take those leaps, bounds and jumps, um, especially when we don't come from a field that we've studied in. Right. Um, taking that risk mm. is a is a very scary thing for a lot of people, especially young kids who have just passed out. Right. Um, how would you help somebody who probably is just passing out of uh, an engineering degree, not really sure that the degree they did is 100 percent what they want to do, but still loves engineering, still loves, you know, fixing things uh, from from from. Uh, problem-solving perspective, right? Loves to do all of that. How how would you kind of like tell them, hey, it's okay that you're not comfortable with where you are and you can actually take the step, the next step. I'm sure you've had to do that across your life. So if you can just give um, the listeners some kind of um, an example where you had to like step into the unknown, so to speak. Hmm. See, I have I've spent almost a decade in investment banking and it was, it was, in terms of monetary aspect, right? It was, it was, it was good enough for me. But, but I was missing something, right? In terms of job satisfaction, mm. uh, there was something which was lacking. And uh, after, it's a very difficult decision. After spending, you know, almost a decade, 
and being comfortable in where you are looking out for a change a drastic change and a change into the unknown um right. i have I have i have numerous examples of engineering students uh, or engineering or uh, people from the engineering background coming into the field of investment banking finance right but but right. not come across anyone who have successfully transitioned into the world you know of engineering or uh, stats maths kind of stuff right so it is it was a it was a different thing but then ultimately you have to look at your passion right look at what you think that interests you and mm. and take an informed call it's see when i uh, went into that I took a real plunge right it was not just a blind kind of a jump i had some data points i knew that going forward right data will dictate a lot of stuff uh, right the the kind of data that we were generating right it was it was it was just going to explode and there were already signs when i was looking at in 2011 2010 kind of thing 10 11 right data was right. exploding so there were signs of you know how data would be used so it was not like you know i was going blindfolded so uh, it was not a you know all risk hail mary kind of a thing right it was <laughs> it was an informed call it was an informed call so right. but i went into a direction which kind of was you know really interested me and uh, so so that's that's where you need to focus on what is your interest first try and see what is your interest if you know what your interests are you will get in today's world there are enough data points wherein you can understand what is the prospects for that interest or you can reach out to people uh, uh, to get mm-hmm. more uh, you know uh, feedback about whether there is a scope for those kind of interests right and possible paths right. to achieve those things uh, so right. a decade back it was difficult but now it is a lot more easier so i think focus on what is your strength and what interests you that's really really great advice considering that most of these engineering i mean it's a sad reality but a lot of engineering students end up in engineering not because they were interested ultimately right they they went because of familial pressure or um their brother did it their friends were going to engineering college whatever it is um to seek that interest and take that informed call um basically data driven approach if i'm not mistaken correct <laughs> yeah but uh, uh the thing is your data is dictating your interests rather than the other way around <laughs> okay got it right so got first it. you need yeah. you you so so in uh, so you you first need to know what your interests are and then see whether the data supports uh, supports that sort of an interest or not okay not the other way around not the other right? way around fitting an interest so <laughs> in engineering you know you know you always look backward in engineering like something is you have a solution now let's find a problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> um so it need to change your mindset a little in terms of how you yeah. approach the problem in total 
<laughs> wow, fantastic. When you came across data sciences, right, um, after 10 years of, of, of investment banking, was there an aha moment that you went into and you said, hey, listen, no, this is something that I need to explore or this is something that um, I want to do? I mean, how, how did you get that um, light bulb moment, as they call it, you know, that, that, that instant? Or did you have that at all in the first place? Okay, for, um, sorry to disappoint you. I didn't have like a light bulb moment. <laughs> it was a gradual okay. process. <laughs> right. Okay. It was not like love at first sight. So, uh, <laughs> so see, I didn't even know that. So what happens in love at first sight, you have a person, right? But here there was hmm. no field as such called data science, right? It was oh, analytics, wow. right? It was analytics, right? So right. there was quants, which is financial engineering. There is quants, right? Which is pricing, yes. uh, using mathematical models to price assets, right? What that was a quant does. There was no data science as such. Yes. Um, so, so, but, but now how, so this is, this was a gradual process in terms that, you know, my love for numbers, my love for analytics, uh, and my love to solve problems, right? That is what spurred me. Mm-hmm. And it was a mm-hmm. gradual process. And and it so happened that I followed my passion and a, a career developed in the form of data science. It would have developed any which ways. I would have, maybe I would have gone into uh, analytics or something else, right? Which is more closer right. to numbers and such. It's just that it developed into, it, it. the term got coined something like a data science. Got it, got it. Wow. So, so in essence, you were part of the beginning of data science as a, as a field or as a, yeah, as a field. Yeah. As an, yeah. Yeah. At, at least in India, at least in India, at least in India. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, after I joined, maybe, you know, after I think 2017 or so, I mean, uh, uh, institutes which were, uh, had, uh, financial engineering graduation uh, courses on financial engineering, master's program in financial right. engineering, like Berkeley and stuff like that. They came out with MS program in data science. Right? Okay. So after I joined Clevertab, so, so maybe I think 2016 or something like that. So it was much later on, right? That this field right. itself even got a stamp of approval uh, from renowned inst- uh, you know, universities. Overseas. Right. I'm not talking about India. I'm talking about overseas. So that too, you know, it was not kind of a developed thing. <laughs> and, right. And during those days, you know, I used to also look at some of the, um, you know, um, uh, the job profiles that you know uh, people were looking out for. Like it was it was really funny. Uh, they wanted like uh, what. For that time, Hadoop was, you know, quite in vogue, right? Uh, with data and data science also started uh, coming into the fore. So they needed like, you know, people who are uh, well-versed with, uh, you know, maybe four or five years of Hadoop experience and they know Python, they know Java, they know uh, um, <laughs> all the kind of uh, modeling techniques uh, available in right. data science and everything, right? So, you know, yeah. awareness was pretty, pretty low. Right, right. Ask the impossible, get what you get, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Totally get it. 
I just want to take a couple of steps back at this juncture. Um, for an engineering graduate who comes out of uh, college today, tomorrow, right? Um, if we look at it, for an engineering graduate, how do we, um, or how do they actually look at, think about taking up a, a, a data science job and what, should be at the back of their mind when they walk into something that has to do with data sciences, right? Mm. Um, or what would qualify them to say, okay, I think I might fit into this, this segment, right? As an engineering graduate. First of all, assuming they have the requisite uh, background in terms of, you know, uh, yeah, they are well-versed with all the basic level stuff like uh, uh, metrics, uh, uh, calculus, statistics, probability, and maybe they have taken some courses on data science, right, uh, which is available right online. And now they feel that, okay, uh, this seems interesting. Um, and there is a lot of, I'm hearing, you know, data science is a very cool job and high paying job and whatever, right? What all, you know, you hear in mm. the press. Uh, so, and they are kind of enamored, like, okay, this is what we need to do. What I would suggest is take up, um, um, you know, participate in competitions on Kaggle or, the, you know, participate in offline competitions, uh, you know, hackathon stuff. Um, start, right. uh, you know, uh, see how you're performing. See, you know, do you have it in you? Uh, not just, you know, Kaggle sort of hackathons, but offline hackathons. So for, for example, I when I participated in this, uh, uh, you know, hackathon, which was organized by the for, the, for one of the largest uh, private sector banks in India, the yep. challenge was not only increasing the accuracy of the model. So usually what happens in Kaggle kind of platforms, you win as long as you are more accurate. So if someone is 85% accurate, if you are 85.01% accurate, you will be the winner. Right. But Got data it. science is not about just increasing the accuracy of the model. It's understanding the model, implementation of the model, lot must, lot many things. Uh, so, uh, so, so this hackathon that I had participated, it had, it was not only about that, it was the entire stuff, you know, solving a particular problem. Model is one of the, right. the algorithm is one of the means to solve that problem, right? So, um, and right. also, uh, you know, effectively communicating to your audience, uh, you know, the results to business, not the, not data scientists. You're not, you're not uh, communicating to fellow data scientists. You're communicating to business who don't, and who may not understand all the mumbo jumbo that you are, uh, these uh, terms that you will throw, right? Correct. Correct. How effectively can you communicate this in layman's terms, right? Uh, and and the implementation side of whether it is interpretable, whether it is in, um, you know um, uh, what we call uh, implementable. Uh, so, are you able to understand the audience, right? I was talking to a banking uh, a client. Now, there the interpretability hmm. of the model becomes very important. You can be half a basis points uh, you know 50 basis points or half a percentage lower accuracy but if you are able to uh, interpret the model and say why this is happening it is much more valuable so understanding the client and also so these things becomes very important in real life are you able to do all these things right so 
then you think of you know whether this field is for you or what participating in this as hackathons writing some articles right what you have understood of a particular uh, uh, you know uh, maybe you have participated in a hackathon what are your experiences towards that right you you maybe you write a blog post maybe have a good github profile uh, about you know in that where you maintain these things see whether you are able to go through this rigor and see whether this makes sense for you because mm. what happens in many of the cases is they think that uh, i'm i've seen actually i mean think data science is kind of a magician who kind of you know throws interesting solutions out of the hat but actually majority of the time data scientists is the role is of a plumber only cleaning processing data data cleaning processing all those stuff right so so yeah, I, we, i had somebody who said data it's basically making data look sexy <laughs> yeah so we get we get we get the ugliest of uh, dirtiest of data and we are we only clean and you know polish it <laughs> right Most of the time right. goes towards that only you know getting getting <laughs> the data cleaning the data make it in a way which is uh which which a model can take in because it's garbage in garbage out right you you have to give good right. raw material to the machine so that it gives you a good finished product wow yeah it's not for the weak hearted let me put it that way <laughs> i think that's the better way to to talk about it right yeah you need to have a lot of patience you need to have a lot of patience over here because you will try 10 different things 20 different things and maybe one of these things may work no guarantees i i i want to i want to take um a moment to basically change directions um kids today are more worried about the job they're going to get once they pass out um they're not really interested in building a career right um whether it's building a career you know uh, your dream job giving you that career that you your dream career so to speak um they one aren't sure to they're not um uh or they lack the clarity that is required but i think fundamentally there is a a definition issue that a lot of them uh come and stop right okay what's a job what's a career what what's the difference is it the same thing is it interchangeable um why do i want to go into this field or that field right uh, how would you define that how would you look at it and say okay you know what's a career and what's a job and how would you make that demarcation i know there are elements that are interrelated but i just wanted to hear your two cents on it i think left to me i would equate career closely to my passion right and and job as a by product of that passion or career you need the job to earn money no doubt right but then but then if your only aim is to earn money after a point of time you will you will get bored of it or you might not be satisfied so that would be a short term strategy long term would be try to build a career uh you focus on your passion right and and the job will follow it has to follow it will be a, it will it will follow. but then 
there are but i understand you know uh, maybe you know fresh graduates right they are confused about now so they can explore right uh, for the first few years of your their uh, uh, life i mean they can they can experiment with various things before they know that okay this is what you know i have uh, you know this is for me you know this is what i have to uh, i will strive for right this is my big goal this is my yeah if if you are not certain as of now that you know what that should be so yes i mean you know maybe experiment two three years you know different and then you know maybe uh, you come across your own you know passion in the in the process awesome um when you took that plunge to change your um career trajectory um did you have anyone that you would talk to um you would get support from a mentor a role model uh, i know that the field was just developing or non existent so to speak so it's just probably analytics but even in its form as it was did you were you able to talk to people who were there just to see maybe is this for me um you'd said that it was it was a calculated yeah. um jump right it was not a blind jump it was an informed call how, how did you build that out like were you talking to people how, how was that process for you <laughs> okay okay this one is a this one is a good one so whomsoever i talked to me they discouraged me <laughs> from doing that <laughs> so <laughs> see, <laughs> there is no precedent you know <laughs> so, right like i said right people shifting from engineering to finance background there are a lot of precedents there is data right. backing that right here there is no data or even if there there is hardly any data so so whomsoever i spoke you know inconclusive uh, data yeah in inconclusive overly negative right it's it was like <laughs> okay. don't even think about it <laughs> maybe oh, you know some some you know people out uh, in the professional network or personal network right they all discouraged right. uh but you know everyone has because see everyone is guide so likewise like i said right everyone is guided by the data that they have at hand right what they have seen from the biases that they have observed uh right what i was looking is that whether my interests right i see obviously it it won't be a smooth ride right i had to enlist you know what are the challenges that i need to surpass um and if i am able to surpass this challenge what are the opportunities okay so that's how i kind of came to a conclusion that yes because ultimately if you don't have self belief right whatever it is you know then then forget it right <laughs> don't take that path <laughs> that self belief yes. should be there right so i had the self belief in me and um, i was confident that i could uh, i could make i could make things you know at least i could learn i could overcome the challenges now whether i will be able to grab the opportunities or no it's a different matter whether the opportunities present itself to me or whether i go and you know grab those opportunities when i will be to do that I mean, that's a different story but at least i will overcome the challenges required to get those opportunities so yeah that's how <laughs> so so you literally climbed a mountain <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean looking back you know i still see okay what 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 a <laughs> i mean 
in hindsight the bet paid off but you know it had a very good chance that it wouldn't have <laughs> right okay that, i mean I, that that brings me to um uh, one of my standard questions which is basically what would you tell or what would you advise the 24 year old jacob um you know what is that advice that you would give to that person right if you were take able risk. to do that if you were able... take risk <laughs> okay at 24 you can take risk <laughs> that is awesome you know any portfolio and any portfolio strategy you know any advisor you go what they will tell you 20 to 30 very high equity risk right equity portfolio right invest more in yes. equity rather than debt 30 to 40 little medium uh, you know 40 50 you lower the equity like lower the risk so basically equity is the highest risk if you are saying you invest Correct. more in equity means it's more risk so between 20 to 30 take all the risk you want you know i went test against the portfolio strategy yeah test out everything i took out the risk when i was about 30 right <laughs> so right. i went to the highest risk when i was about 30 but anyway mine is a different story but if you're talking over 24 years take all the risk you can now is the time wow okay so i mean you heard it from the data guy itself <laughs> to the listeners out there right um take the risk when you're given the opportunity jump onto it see what where it where where it takes you right so i think that's yeah. but, that's but 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 um, with one one amazing. one one disclaimer with risk yes. the returns also should be high right just True. don't go blindfolded ha huh. see whether the returns mm. also justify the risk got it makes sense totally makes sense awesome so um Jacob I've got a couple of uh questions which is um in a manner of speaking rapid fire questions right I don't want to call it rapid fire but uh just a couple um work from home hybrid work from office what would you say is the best one for you and why hybrid uh spending 3 and 1/2 to 4 hours in travel in commuting doesn't make sense okay. <laughs> yes you know um, and uh, uh, that much time can be productive put to good use um sec- and hybrid why i'm saying is uh, when you go to office and you, you meet with people there is exchange of brainstorming ideas exchange of ideas more so whiteboarding stuff and you know so it becomes uh, so you can have a good mix of both right so hybrid i feel my vote would go for hybrid Uh, okay yes, fair enough uh, yeah <laughs> okay cool um your favorite quote quote okay actually i have i have only i have two quotes you know uh, you know one i had seen on linkedin you know that was like forget machine learning become a learning machine <laughs> so that okay. kind of you know <laughs> it was quite funny but it was actually you know very pertinent uh, right second second is uh, you know this is you know we use it in uh, our my day to day work also right you know all models are wrong but some are useful so what does it means is uh, basically you know 
the statistical models right they or machine learning models right they they are not able mm-hmm. to you know model the complexity of the world right actual world practical world. Right. all the complexity right. which can't right so all models right. in a sense are wrong but they can still be useful because they are able to you know uh, model some of the stuff right and those can give you insights right. so but some are useful so that's why you know all models are wrong some are useful some are useful okay that's that's deep actually that's extremely yeah. deep yeah yeah um your splurge goal uh i'm a very simple guy i don't like splurge splurging <laughs> so i have no splurge goal <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um <laughs> I can't follow up on that question. <laughs> uh What what do you love most about data science? Uh, I'll, oh, I'll wrap up with that question. Unpredictability. Right? You know, it's the to model uncertainty is the most difficult thing. And I like challenges. <laughs> so this is what i love the most about data science some i sometimes i get surprised right from some of the stuff that we create so that that kick is something else <laughs> um out of interest i have a, a, a an add on question um application of data models data science um in real world scenarios um what would you say are the the most common or the most useful or I, i'm trying what i'm trying to say is what would be the best thing to apply data models into so that you get something uh, out of it as a human being for day to day life i think some of the interesting things that are happening in the medical field right uh that is mm-hmm. something you know if you are able to you know diagnose uh you know early detection of cancers right uh right right uh, so many other illnesses if you are able to diagnose it early with the help of ai that would be pretty cool already there are a lot of advancements happening but uh, still we are not yeah. reached the stage where we are like you know 100% accurate with respect to the diagnosis but there is a lot of interesting work which is happening advancement i think the medical field is something that i am uh, uh, you know pretty uh, excited and you know waiting for that um otherwise you know if you look at the ad tech world and stuff like that it's already you know a lot of stuff which is used uh, you know martech ad tech uh, they are already using a lot of ai there are a lot of other fields also you know but but i think the medical field i would i mean cheering for that field wherein ai can really you know uh, make a difference make a difference hmm very true very true and i think the the lines between medicine and engineering are kind of um narrowing so to speak mm. like um a couple of years ago i was talking to a friend of mine and i i met her at um one of the premier institutes of the country and um she's a physicist and i said what are you doing here and she's like no we're we're um there's a specific physics application to doing a specific treatment and i was like oh my goodness are the science overlapping so much today right mm. this is this is about eight years back but um me being naive as well had a lot to do with it but um today more so i think that overlap is so high that 
you know, just because you come from engineering doesn't mean that you can't work in, um, in, in a specific field, right? I remember as a 18 year old, uh, traveling on the train, um, I met, uh, an engineer and I said, where do you work? He said, I work at the Hindu. I was like, what's an engineering doing in the Hindu? Right. <laughs> and I mean, it's pretty simple. He made sure that all the machinery was working properly. He was a mechanical engineer and he made sure that all the machinery was working properly. And the newspapers came out every morning. Um, uh, and, you know, the, the programming that goes behind it, and you're printing like 100,000 copies in uh, 10 minutes or whatever the timing is. It's, it's, it's marvels of engineering at the end of the day. And it, it's gone into an arts field. And so the options out there, I believe, are like, immense right um as is with saying okay data has has its place but all these fields have an intertwined effect on what you could achieve it's just what you put your mind to at the end of the day i mean that's just my take on it correct me if i'm wrong i mean i, I don't know if there's data to towards that <laughs> so <laughs> no, no 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 so i think that's true right even in uh, um so so if you, if you talk about even in data science, right, uh, you need a different kind of uh, people in this uh, team, right? You need statisticians, you need engineers, you need uh, people who have the business uh, sense, right? Business domain kind of I mean, thing. Yeah. 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 So without that, you know, you won't be uh, able to uh, achieve the results that you want because you build the most, uh, you know, state of the art. But if the if it doesn't make sense to business, right, it's it's going to be waste. So you need people from different backgrounds working together. Hmm. Very true. Very true. Wow, Jacob, thank you so much for taking the time, and um, I know heading as a VP data science in CleverTap. I'm sure you have your hands full day in and day out, but I, we just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come and spend with young minds who are exploring, trying to understand what they want to do with their career, what they want to um, achieve out of themselves, what is possible, what is not. You know, um, it's, it's great to have you here and great to hear your point of view and your story. I think... Um, I relate to it quite a bit. Uh, I'm sure a lot of students out there relate will be able to relate to it as well. Um, if you have any closing remarks, please uh, would love to hear it as well. Thank you, thank you for having me, Ben. I am um, um, any you know students they want to reach out to me, please reach out to me on my LinkedIn, um, and uh, don't be afraid to take a risk. Awesome. Be a risk taker. That's that's our key takeaway from today. <laughs> within within limits. I I know you, you mentioned that last time as well. Yeah. So within risk management is very important. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jacob. And uh hope to see you another time on another show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. Enjoyed listening to this podcast? Well, follow us and hit that subscribe button and let us know what you think. And don't forget to tune in to the next edition of the podcast right here. This podcast of the Tech Career Show was brought to you by Impactiers.club.